All right, I'm going to go in the intro now. All right, hit it. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 7 of Hip Squared, American Fantastics Pop Culture Hour, celebrating everything from the mainstream to the independent, weird, old, and local. Troy, how's it going? My tan for my uh, computer screen is getting much better. That's good. I didn't realize you have a UV light in your monitor. Yeah, it's to uh, combat the sads that I normally get this time of uh, year. Yeah, I've heard about getting one of those for your desk, and it gives you the same kind of light that comes from the sun mm-hmm. that helps your mood. Yeah, um, I don't actually have it, but there it does exist. Well, because sads is a real thing, seasonal affective mm-hmm. disorder. Um, and... I know one of the big ways that uh, for my AP psychology class in uh, high school, I remember one of the big ways to combat it is like it's like a light box that's mm-hmm. the that's that kind of light. My friend Lizzie uses one. She's the one who does the two nuts in a pod mm, yeah. podcast, the one about mental health. And just a brief aside, I realized in the last episode I said I was on that. I don't know by the time this gets released, it'll probably um, have already been out for a while, but it comes out on February 2nd. Lulz. So for some reason, people had trouble finding it the first time. Um, that's when it's out. But yeah, I kind of want to get one of those for my desk at work because I heard they're not very expensive and they help a lot. That makes me that makes me wonder if that's what the um, Himalayan pink salt stuff is or if that's something completely different. I think different. this is actually based on science as far as I can tell. As opposed to Himalayan pink salt? Well, I think <laughs> because it's actually a physical light Right. It's stimulating your brain in a very specific way. And if they've done clinical trials, mm-hmm. I think it might have already been proven to be actual effective. Right. Like you, you can probably be prescribed it. Yeah. If and, I, would, I would guess. And I could Google this and be proven completely wrong. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> but you can say that about most of the stuff we talk about on here. Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> it's probably good just to have something that's a placebo effect, even if it doesn't work. Exactly. Um, but Troy, what did you feel like talking about this week? So I've been... Um, I've been sitting at a desk for the last, I don't know how many years, because I was first, first a college student, and now I work at a desk job. So I'm at a desk all the time, which means uh, I have been playing a game that makes me feel things I've never felt before. Wow, Troy, is this um, a new <laughs> discovery for yourself? Are you learning things about your body? Or? It was, <laughs> Just kidding. I, it, was, it was about a valley. It was about a valley. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so Stardew Valley and the valley is, this, is not a metaphor? The valley is definitely a metaphor. Okay. Um, <laughs> Stardew Valley is a game that came out in uh, 2016 and is about a person who has been working at a dead-end job for X number of years and is finally sick and tired of it, so they decide to... Uh, go to Grandpa's old farm and build, build and live on the farm and live the old rustic life. That's really cool. It. Um, I've seen this game on Steam. I've watched the trailers. I've never actually gotten it. But what it really reminds me of is Harvest Moon yep. from the '90s. Yep. But in a new kind of way, and I guess it's it's added to that formula. I'm sure it's added new dimensions to it. Right. So Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon was in 3D, correct? No, Harvest Moon was a top-down oh, Super top Nintendo down. game. Okay. Probably came out in the early to mid-90s, like maybe around 93 or so. Okay. So it is very similar to Harvest Moon. That's what um, I've been playing it with uh, Kurt, my brother-in-law, and Abby, my wife, because they've, they've both been playing it a ton. So, um, they, But they had played Harvest Moon a lot when they were kids, and they told me, it's like, yeah, I'm getting huge Harvest Moon vibes <laughs> from this game. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's great. So I had never played it, but... Um, it's a it's a game where, like I said, you're essentially you're dropped in the middle of this farm and you're told, okay, go ahead and build up your farm, kind of 
like relax. You don't need to, um, you don't want to stress about anything. Just try and make money and, um, you know, plant some plants and mm-hmm. maybe, maybe go water them every day. And, uh, oh, you got a little more money. Okay. Now you can go dig up, uh, dig up some dirt and plant some more plants. So it's not one of those stressful games. It just feels like you're actually at work. No, exactly. <laughs> no, it's, it's really not. Um, I played, I played a lot of those and it does not feel like, okay. If you're a farmer, mm-hmm. I cannot speak that this will not feel like doing your job. Yeah. But for everyone else that sits at a desk job, it's a nice, it's a nice relaxing game. Um, the the atmosphere of the game is you have uh, a character that lives in this town called Pelican Town, and all the town's residents, of which there are like thirty of them, uh, mill about the town, and you can talk to them, you can build relationships with them, and um, kind of create in this world what you what you want um if you want to be the guy that just stays on his farm the whole time and all he does is water his plants and uh take up crops and deliver them to the grocery store mm. you can do that if you want to did you go to farmers markets they don't have like a farmer's market but okay. they have a uh since the town itself is supposed to be it's like really tiny town essentially you're the only farmer and the farmer market is you oh wow okay but what's really nice is you'll have things like um, if you sell to the grocery store, uh, if you sell really nice produce, sometimes the village, the other people in the town will comment. It's like, oh, I got some uh, blueberries at the grocery store. They were so great. Thanks. Mm-hmm. That's so, yeah, yeah, I like that kind of feedback. Um, when I played, there's a game, it's a PC game. It's based on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but I can't remember the specific title right now. Oh, is that the one with the... Oh, that's the one with, like, the... I know the one you're I talking about. You showed it to really me forever quick. ago. But it's um, it's a really neat game, and it's it's kind of like a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers TV episode. Each level is. Right. And when you when the episode is over, you get feedback from... It's, it's kind of like their version of Twitter. And so that's how you get the... Um, like your level ups and all that or yeah well it's 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 like how you get your score at the end of a level oh, okay. but it's neat it's it feels very personal and kind of like a fun sort of thing um it's it's really neat yeah well this so stardew valley is a very it's a super relaxing game and the the intent you realize is like okay you know you're living on this farm you're trying to make money from your crops um you realize very early on that oh man this Watering these crops does take a lot of time. It'd be really nice if I could like get sprinklers and have it do it for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, well this is great. But now, now like I have to, if I had more sprinklers, I would have to water less. And you can really industrialize your <laughs> your small. So you small can have a very town. small scale farm, or you can have a huge gigantic farm. Yeah, there. pretty much. It's it's kind of a, what you want to do with it. Um, like how big you want to build up your farm. Although it's been so fun watching Abby and Can Kurt you... play because they've been fighting against each other That's back and funny. forth. Can you show people your farm? Um, kind of like to brag. So since the game, the game was originally developed in a single player mode only. So you would play it, um, you know, by yourself and the story on your, in your town wouldn't go anywhere else. Now they've added, they recently added a co-op mode where you can bring other people in and you can work on a farm together. Um, but I don't, I don't know if there's a way to like really share your farms right now. Okay, uh, that wouldn't surprise me if they added you it later. Take... But it's not, it's not one of those. It's not on the iPhone or something like that. I the guess... social media is really is the big push for it. Yeah, I guess if you wanted to, you could just take screenshots as well. Right. Um, 
As far as the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers game where you got Twitter feedback after the end of each episode slash level, <laughs> it's called Chroma Squad. Oh, yeah. And I wrote a review on it um, back in 2015. If anybody wants to check that out, you just can download Chroma, Chroma Squad American Fantastic, and that's C-H-R-O-M-A. And that just reminded me of Troy talking about the feedback that you could get from selling the really good food to the grocery store. Right. <laughs> so the but the game is uh, very relaxing. Throughout the year, you have different events that go on. Um, early on in the game, it's been it's been really cute because early on in the game, you get a um, a animal stops uh, is like wandering around your house, and somebody asks you, "Hey, would you adopt this?" So then you get to name your animal, whatever you want, and. You can go over and you can love on it every day. That's just cool. give a little pat on the head, so and it has kind a of like heart that pops up. Yeah, that's really neat. So it like has a heart that pops up, and it's just it's it's has so many things about it that are nice. That's cool. And there's a harvest season and everything like that. And... Um, well, each season has different crops that you can harvest. Okay. So like, there's your summer crops and your spring crops and your fall crops. Um, so like always, there's always something that you can um be harvesting that's neat but it depends on like what time of year that you'll be doing that um is there a story to the game is there like you because i think in harvest moon you have to choose who to marry or there was little bits of story maybe mixed in right there so yes there's um again you start off and you're kind of dropped in this town and you meet everyone um and as you meet everyone you can give give gifts to people and that builds your relationship up if you build your relationship up enough then you can like go hang out at their house, talk to yeah. them more and get closer. And, and that's how you build through that. And it almost feels like the Sims a little bit. It is. Um, it is a little bit like the Sims, which I think is where some of the appeal comes from in terms of the relationship building part of it. Um, so it takes that part from the Sims. It takes the, um, the crop management from harvest moon. It has some small fighting elements <laughs> where there's funny. like some top down, Almost Legend of Zelda esque enemies. Are they kind of like mini games, or is it just like things wandering in your field that you have to take care of? Um, it's like if you go to this certain area, then you have to fight these things. But that's that's how you get like the good ore to uh, build all these other. So if you have sheep, do you have to fight off wolves? And things no, like that? no, okay. no, no. It's it's nothing that violent. Like, okay. Like, <laughs> well, and and it's it's so funny because I love I love playing with Abby. She really is getting into the farming part of it. Um, but she doesn't like going into the mine where all the monsters are. So yeah. whenever she goes to the mine, she has a control over to me and I take over. <laughs> oh, to get this stuff to build with. Right, right. So, so like, then it's like a Zelda dungeon kind of. Yeah, level. yeah. So you're like, you're, you have to go down through different levels. Um, there was a review written by, um, uh, there was a re- review been written on Rock, Paper, Shotgun a while back talking about um, Stardew Valley when it first came out. And it was written by a guy that had uh, essentially lived in London for a long time and, like, um, around these areas. And he was comparing his life in London to this relaxing idea of Stardew Valley. This idea of um, people nowadays wanting to get out of the big city or going and back to a simpler way of life. And we especially run into that, like, now that, you know, cell phones communicate with every, um You can use cell phones to communicate with anyone, get any information you need uh, at any time. Um, get all of your news that way. And in Stardew Valley, it gets back to a much more simpler time where, mm. okay, you don't really know what's going on outside of this little town, but the relationships you build with the people inside that town are what are important. 
Like the things could be happening um, on the other side of the world that you don't know about, and it doesn't really matter to that's you. Cool. Yeah, and that it, sounds like a really neat sort of escape. Does it? Do you think it inspires anybody to actually have a garden or garden? I would hope so. <laughs> like it, it's it's one of those where you play and it's like, oh man, I really want to go out, and it it does make you want to um, kind of like go out and create because mm-hmm. that's what you're doing this screen this game whether it feels like it or not you're creating this garden and you it's it's a very slow process kelly and i have a garden and part of it is really fun actually digging and mm-hmm. doing things and then the other part of it is kind of stressful because you actually have to devote time to it and it is kind of work right but it's a fun kind of work it just gets you outside and gets your hands dirty and it's it was fun to do with gaia last summer but i wonder if 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 anybody wants to just have a little vegetable patch in your backyard, it's very satisfying if you have the space or you have the mm-hmm. desire to do that. And I think it would be neat to kind of like play around with your real garden in the summer and then when it's like winter time, mm-hmm. play some Stardew Valley or kind of Right, like. <laughs> right. And it's it's um it's been a very relaxing retreat for um uh, whenever we get stressed with work and we get bogged down by like the real light, mm-hmm. like the real life issues that are around uh, Stardew Valley is a nice retreat. Is it's it a game that you can actually it. play for half an hour, an hour, and then put down and feel like you've done a small thing, or is it you don't have to spend hours and hours to get anywhere? Uh, yeah, so it's you can put it down. Now it does. I will warn you if you start playing this, it does have a very more one more day problem mm-hmm. where you'll be playing and you'll you'll like go out and water all your fields, and then you'll go into town and give a few gifts to different people, and you come back and it's like, oh well, I just I just want to see how mm-hmm. my crops did, so. I'll, I'll play for one more day. Yeah. And then you keep doing that enough and it gets really late. <laughs> I have a strategy to deal with that. I kind of had to when I started working for a shift, which is setting an alarm. Mm-hmm. I even have to do it when I'm reading in bed sometimes. Like mm-hmm. I can only read for 15 minutes because if I read for 45 minutes, then I'm going to be tired in the morning or more tired. Right. But that's the only thing I can do if a video game is that addictive mm-hmm. it's just set a time limit for myself ahead of time and that's the only thing that keeps me from wanting to play for hours and hours and hours and hours. see i like stardew valley because it's addictive but it's not addictive in the bad ways mm-hmm. um it it's does, just addictive because it's an enjoyable experience it's addictive because it's an enjoyable experience not because it's like oh man if i do this three more times and i could get this really nice thing mm-hmm. and then I'll, and, and then oh don't just you wait i'll be able to do this thing it's it's very much a i've done all this i want to see what happened like mm-hmm. I've I've worked I've been watering these crops for ten days. I want to see the results of my labor. How much money did I was I able to make on this? I've been yeah. giving Sam gifts for the last like three <laughs> months. Please tell me he's like he finally likes me enough to let me inside yeah. his house. Um, it's it's that experience. It's that much like I want to just I want to see what's next. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to build I want to build from there. Is there an end game to it or a way to win or is it just kind of like you just keep going and playing forever and ever and ever until you decide to stop? I think there's an end game. I haven't played it all the way through to the end. Um, it is a pretty long game. Um, we're part of, we're a little over halfway through the first year and we've been playing for probably close to 15, 20 hours. Wow. And I know there's a there is a note in the somewhere that says like meet here again at the end of the third year so like we're, we're not even done with our first year yet and <laughs> so I, I know people have put a ton of games a uh, ton of hours to this um because like, in a hundred hour game kind of thing or is it just you play for a certain I, amount of time and then you're done i feel it, to me it always felt like a game was like you can play as long as you can play this game as long as you want um i think there is some sort of end game content where it's like tells you it's like okay you've done 
whatever, like you've Big fulfilled your dream or you've done this. But a lot of it is just like you play until you're done. You know, yeah, if you yeah. if your goal was, okay, I wanted to play until I had cows. All right, you have cows now. And yeah. I wanted to play until I had a horse I could ride around town. Okay, well, now you have the horse. <laughs> I think it'd be cool. Sometimes I like those kinds of games that have a specific goal in mind. That's the ultimate goal. Or mm-hmm. if there's a story element, you get to the end, but then you can keep playing after the story is over. Right. And I think that's what this game is. I think mm-hmm. right now, because right now Abby's goal, quote unquote goal in the game is to uh, find somebody and, and marry them. That's cool. And that's like what her, that's what her personal goal is in the game. But like along that, along the way she wants to, you know, um, build up, like she's decided, I don't really want to care that much about crops. I want to have a bunch of animals. So she has a bunch of cows. <laughs> she has a bunch of chickens. And like, that's how, that's how she's, uh, going through the game. Also, she named her cows, um, what was it Paul and Mary and then, um, Sue and Mel. That's cool. Yeah. From, uh, Great British Bake Off. <laughs> oh, neat. Okay, I just thought <laughs> what you were talking about. Well, speaking of the wilderness, mm-hmm. um, the topic I want to talk about for this week is a book from 2011 called Wildwood. It was written by Colin Malloy of The Decemberists, and it was illustrated by his wife, Carson Ellis. Um, Colin Malloy is the re- lead singer and songwriter for The Decemberists, so if you've ever listened to their music, they were really big in the mid to late aughts and they're still a really good band Mm -hmm. if you like rock music that has an acoustic sound but also sort of an edge to it that's very heavily literary influenced in terms of the lyrics and the songwriting Mm -hmm. um, kind of epic sometimes they're a really good band to get into and this book was written by Colin Malloy who is the um, driving force behind the Decemberists but it's a very distinct young adult novel called Wildwood. I would put it in the same tradition as classic children books like Alice in Wonderland and The Wizard of Oz. And the reason is, is because Wildwood is kind of like this parallel universe that exists next to our own and has talking animals. It has magic and fantasy and that kind of thing. So it's Narnia. Yeah, it's kind of like, I was going (laughs) to mention Chronicles of Narnia too. It's definitely influenced by those classic books. Um, And the plot is about Prue, who's a seventh grade girl living in Portland. She has a new baby brother. And while she's watching him in the park, I think she's pushed the stroller to the park and she's just kind of hanging out to give her parents a break. This murder of crows descends and carries her baby brother away into the (sighs) woods. And so Prue runs in and her friend Curtis runs in after her. Mm -hmm. And then they're separated um, while they're looking for Mac, and it's called the Impassable Wilderness or the IW. And it's a section of Portland that's kind of just in the forest nearby. Hmm. And it's kind of off limits, but it's also just wilderness, and so nobody's going to stop you if you want to go in there. Okay, so like not secret government no. research? Okay. But the weird aspect of it is, is it's also kind of like another dimension that you it's kind of like it chooses whether it wants to let you in or if you can go into it. Hmm. But since Prue is able to go in and so is Curtis, it starts off this really neat, complicated adventure about her trying to get her little brother back. But there's also this entire universe within Wildwood itself. Mm -hmm. So they're attacked by a coyote army. And so this is like a bunch of anthropomorphic coyotes. Okay. So dog people basically walking on their hind legs and everything. That's spooky. They're dressed in Napoleonic 
military garb. Okay. And this is all illustrated by Carson Ellis, too. Oh. So there are these very simple pencil kind of ink style drawings. They're colored. They're, and I would also compare it to the art in classic literature. So, and there's a lot of illustrations, too. I think there's around 80. Mm-hmm. Some of them are very small, and some of them are full-page colored. How much of these are, like, allusions or, refer- or like, supposed to be deeper meanings than what's there? I think there's definitely references to other works. There's themes involved. Um, a lot of it is very environmental mm-hmm. um, in focus, I remember, because it's all based on the wilderness and sort of defending, I think... Nature. Like their their little carved out magical section of the wild, um, the real world is definitely a part of it. Portland is kind of like a character in it because hmm. um, everything is related to that. Uh, as far as her parents and her own culture growing up, um, but it's neat because she's thrust into this other world where she's completely out of her element, and because she's separated from Curtis, they go on different paths. So he joins the Coyote Army and becomes a hero. Mm-hmm. She goes to this town of avians, so bird people. Sure. And they're in this kind of like Kafka-esque mili- like bureaucracy that's very corrupt <laughs> and almost totalitarian Okay. in a way. And the fantasy element is that Mac, her little brother, and of course this is spoilers for the first book, so if you really hate spoilers, you might want to skip ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's a really good book. And um, basically, and I'm only really telling you the first quarter. This is just kind of like all the inciting incidents of the story. Mac was captured by a woman named Alexandria who wants to sacrifice Mac to the ivy, which is like this intelligent f- force behind the wilderness. Okay. And to consume him. Yeah. And. So there's this weird story. It's kind of is like Pinocchio. This is a little convoluted. Okay. <laughs> and I swear I'm not spoiling everything. This is only in the first quarter of the book. Everything else is kind of like wild adventures. Very active result. first quarter of the book. But sure. um, she lost her child, got a toy maker to bring her child's spirit back into a wooden body. Okay. Once he realizes who he is after he's resurrected, mm-hmm. he takes out what's kind of like the equivalent of his heart mm-hmm. and dies again. And so that's kind of what leads Alexandria to become angry and become a villain. Uh, and the reason she captures Mac is because her parents couldn't have conceived Prue without making a deal with this woman. Mm-hmm. And the price for this deal was their second born uh, child. Oh, okay. And so that's why. She's and, simply reclaiming her. Exactly. And and this is, it sounds a little complicated, um, it's about as complicated and as challenging as a mid-level Harry Potter novel. Okay. So it's not too overwhelming. I think if you had young kids, you could read it to them and kind of help them with it. If mm-hmm. you're 9, 10, 11, 12, you probably could read it if you're a decent okay. kid reader. I also think it's one of those books that can easily be enjoyed by adults. So if you want a neat, fun adventure novel. So is this the, So you said this is the first book. This is the first book in a series it's of... A, it's the first book in a trilogy. Okay. Um, the first book was really well written in that it could have been its own self-contained book. Mm-hmm. It tells a whole story. It goes from beginning to end. Uh, but there's enough of a universe built up that the second two books are basically like one long book almost split into two in okay. ways. So that finishes out and flushes out the entire trilogy. Okay. And those books are really good too. I would say if you wanted to, you could only read Wildwood. And if you like it a lot, read the other two books. But 
I think just even reading the first book would be a good experience. Just like you could only read Wizards of Oz and not read every other Oz book if you wanted to. So how much of it was built? How much of these other books were built around? He had created this world and realized he wanted to keep telling a story. Well, because it sounds like a really interesting world. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking about these anthropomorphic creatures on different factions and how they interact with each other. Like, that's an interesting world to begin with. And I could see him going, it's like, oh, man, I told this story, but there's there's so much more here Mm -hmm. that I could work with. I think what he might have done is hedged his bets because... If the book wasn't a success, they probably wouldn't have published a sequel. Right. But because the book was popular, mm-hmm. he he was able to. And I think what he did is he told a satisfying enough story in the first book where you it's kind of like the first Matrix movie. Right. Like to me, the first Matrix movie is so good compared to the other two that I kind of almost just pretend that the story ends there. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine everything else. Like, you know, Neo's the one and all these other things. Right. And it's kind of like that with Wildwood. You could get to the end of Wildwood and it tells a really good story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But there's enough of a world built in. And I will say, at least from my opinion, the second two Wild Bo- Wildwood books are are much better than the second two Matrix movies. Okay. I would kind of compare it to like the Batch of the Future trilogy mm-hmm. where the second and third are really good. They might not quite match the first one, but I also think it's hard because... When you're reading the first one, it's the first book of that kind you've probably read in a really long time. Right. It's when so, you, everything's so new there and yeah. you're, so many different concepts you haven't seen. Exactly. And so it feels very new and entertaining and delightful. And it still does throughout the other two books, mm-hmm. but there's not that same level of novelty. And and it's definitely a strong enough story that you can still enjoy it. But it's also a kind of trilogy where if you wanted to, you could just read the first book and it would be just as satisfying. Mm-hmm. Well, not maybe just as satisfying, but it would be definitely be enough. Would you, to, you're wanting more by yeah. the end of the first book. I think Does it, it, I think it has more? such a satisfying conclusion that you're like, okay, yeah. Like if there was a sequel to this, I definitely would read it, but you're not, it doesn't end on a cliffhanger and you're like, Oh, oh I need to get the second book okay. kind of thing. Like some books do, like some kids' books do, you know? Mm-hmm. That's good. It does, it, yeah, that's that's definitely one way that you can get people to read another book, and it's an easy, cheap way to yeah. do it. I think at the end of the second book, you do realize it's kind of like Empire Strikes Back. Like, there's definitely going to be a third mm-hmm. coming after this one. But after the first, you don't absolutely need to keep going. So if if he had chosen not to or if he wasn't able to publish the second book, even the first book on itself would be really neat. Mm-hmm. Luckily, it did succeed. There are two books. Um it was optioned for a movie, but it was never it hasn't been made yet. Really, I would really like to see my dream, and I think that the tone of the book and the tone of the filmmaker would really mesh very well. Would be to see Wes Anderson take this mm. on in the in the same style as Fantastic Mr. Fox or Isle of Dogs, oh, okay. which is his stop motion style, right? Um, because I think as a stop motion or animated movie, you'd be able to keep in all the imaginary elements. Like mm-hmm. I would hate to see a CGI coyote person. S- similar to Kubo, <laughs> Kubo and the Two Strings. Yeah, style I, think, art. I think it would be really neat. Or even just a traditionally like cell animated mm-hmm. cartoon would be really good. Um, as long as it's not CGI, is all. How I really old is about. A, How old is the series? <laughs> I mean, is it? It came out in 2011. Oh, okay. I, yeah, That's and older than I that was, was when the very first one came out. Mm-hmm. Um, the second book. And the third book came out in 2012 and 2014, respectively. Okay. There is also a new book, if anybody wants to check it out. And I have not read it, but it's definitely in the same, like, young adult vein mm-hmm. as Wildwood. It's a completely different story. It's called The Whiz Mob and the Grenadine Kid. Hmm. 
that was came out in October 2017. I haven't read it yet. I definitely want to based on Wildwood. Um, and I, I think it would be great to read with kids if you have a kid in your life or that you would want to gift it to or read it with them. Hmm. I think if you're a person that can appreciate books like Harry Potter or other, like even um, like we were talking about in the last episode, a series of unfortunate events, it's really good. And what it has that those other books don't always quite have to this level is this really rich literary influence and this kind mm-hmm. of like classic version of childhood storytelling like there's no dystopian tinge to it okay it is an adventure story and it has sad parts but it's not gonna depress you once it's Mm -hmm. all over okay so it's kind of fits into that but it fits in that very weird kind of like strange realm that wizard of oz and alice in wonderland and chronicles of narnia where it's like Mm -hmm. we're in a parallel world it's kind of like our own world but it's kind of not Mm -hmm. and there's talking animals and there's magic and there's thrilling adventure and all those neat characters and um it's really well done especially if you like the decemberist i think it would be right up your alley right because it has that same sort of it's kind of like if column if the decemberist made a book for kids instead of an album for adults <laughs> i can't think of any other way to explain it any other way to describe it but um yeah i definitely recommend checking that out if, and carson ellis illustrates everything i think she even illustrates the new book okay and they are a really good husband and wife pair i think it might help that they have very much like set boundaries in terms of like she does the art and he does the writing where they don't have to kind of like agree on how they're gonna every handle. single little detail yeah so he must work well with his wife and i think that's a cool partnership that they can do that professionally as well as yeah that's anyway. awesome so yeah, so Wildwood, check it out. And um, you can also check out The Wiz Mob and The Grenadine Kid. If you haven't checked out The Decemberists, um, the best album, I think, is The Crane Wife. Okay. And I'm, I'm trying to think of Decemberist albums I've listened to. I think I'm going to go see them at a concert yeah. soon in Cincinnati. They're really good. Kelly and I saw them in 2008, right after the follow-up to The Crane Wife came out. And oh, I can't remember okay. what it's called. Um, but hmm. it's, a really, it's a really good band to get into it's they have their own kind of sound and if you like literature if you like reading good fiction mm-hmm. that's a lot of the lyrical quality and even some storytelling mm. involved with his music but in the book it's kind of like he can actually tell a really well fleshed out right he's not, he's not limited to songs he can exactly can use everything that's so cool yeah i mean i know i know um abby's cousin i know one of Abby's cousins would really, who's just finished Harry Potter, like, like she's the one I was thinking of. Like, I could, I could get this for her, and it'd be, I think she'd really like it. And it's a nice long book, so okay, it's five hundred pages. Ooh, which yeah. You might, if you have a younger kid, it might be something like read a chapter every night at bedtime for a month or two. Mm-hmm. But if you have a kid who can read on their own, they might just plow right through it because right. it definitely reads fast like it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like five hundred pages. It's not like five hundred pages of Nixon Land. That's for yep. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um. Well, yes, Wildwood is wonderful. And I think especially, too, if you're trying to get your mind out of the darkness that is winter sometimes, it's definitely a little ray of sunshine and will cheer you up and kind of take you away if you do want to read it. It'd probably be a really cool audiobook, I although I don't know who voices it. I mean... But if Colin Malloy voiced it, it probably would be really that'd be good. That'd be... Up. It wouldn't surprise me if he did, too. Yeah. Like, there's some art, there's some writers that's like, it doesn't make sense for him to do it, but Colin, yeah. If you if you were if you were a professional singer, it kind of makes sense to voice yeah. your own audiobook. I and would you, be, you, you can, could probably find him on Audible. Yeah, you can mm. kind of hear his voice, but I don't know. If, that's just my dream that he voiced it. But 
Yeah, however you can. If it sounds interesting to you at all, I definitely recommend checking out Wildwood. And I did want to thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Hip Squared. Right. I know. I know. I kind of like let you write. Go write ahead. That. Did no. you need to change? Did no, you have I, more questions or anything? I did. I, before okay. we go into the outro, I really didn't. But I, I let you ride that that uh, story so well because it, like it, it was such an interesting story, and I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear your whole side of it, and I didn't really know where where I could jump in on it. I, oh, I, I, okay. almost, I almost felt bad. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. No. So no. Go ahead. You can write into the outro. But it's like that was a. It, it's something that I do want to check out. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I'll have time to check it out, but. That's Listen to it on audiobook on the way to work. There you go. And home. Great That'd idea. Cool to do. Or while you're doing dishes and stuff. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I did want to thank everybody for listening to another episode of Hip Squared. If you all would take the time, please like us on Facebook, like American Fantastic. Go and subscribe to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. It would also be a huge favor if any of you are all on Patreon. You can become a member of American Fantastic for as little as a dollar a month. And like the sign says, that anything helps. Um, you can also go to AmericanFantastic.com, check out all of our cool content. We have all the Hip Squared episodes, all the episodes of the American Fantastic Radio Hour, all of my writing, friends' writing, art, um, all kinds of neat things, photography. You can check all that out at AmericanFantastic.com. We're produced by Mayplex Monk. Uh, if you want to check out more of Mayplex's work, you can go to MayplexMonk.com. You can also, um, yeah, let people know about the show. That would really help us out. Spread and, the word. Yeah, and keep listening. If you do listen, like us on Facebook, leave a comment. Just let us know because we have no Like, we, we don't mind just talking into the void, honestly. <laughs> it's fun to make this podcast and just hang out mm-hmm. with Troy and Maple, Mapleex. But um, at the same time, if we do have anybody that's listening, let us know because we'd love to hear from you. Um, oh, also, we wanted to thank danosongs.com for the intro and outro music. If you all would like to check out danosongs.com for any royalty-free music for your project, um, please go out and do that. Troy, is there anything I forgot? No, I think we got it all. All right, we'll catch you next time. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.